0: Good morning, Highlight Church. How's it going? Good, good. Let's clap it up for God, for Jesus. This is going to annoy me all morning because the, the, what is it called? Slip, sleeve, it's going to fall off. So can we, uh, well, never mind. We'll just throw it in here. All right, all right. Are we ready to go, everyone? Good. We're going to continue in our chosen series. We're studying through the book of Ephesians. I think it's become pretty evident that this is our book for the summer. Um, Because I was saying about two months ago that I wasn't going to tell you, but uh, we're going to be in Ephesians until the end of August. So just strap in your seatbelts. I'd encourage you to read it during your personal time. Um, Pray about some verses that may pop out to you and, and, and just see what God would do in your life. Uh, whenever you seek to study these truths and to apply them to your lives. Um, today, we are in chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 17. Um, so if you have a Bible, Ephesians, it's in your New Testament. Uh, if you are in the book of First John, you've went too far, so you need to turn left. Uh, if you're in Habakkuk or Zephaniah or Malachi, you should continue to go right. Um, and to you, get to Ephesians. Uh, We're going to read chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. Uh, But before we go there, that's great. We had our anchor verse for the series, Ephesians 1, 4. Go ahead and repeat after me. We're going to do it one time, and then we're going to celebrate. You're going to clap. You're going to believe it, and it's going to be real, and it's going to manifest in your life this week. And repeat after me. Here we go. Even before before. he he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. It's your turn to celebrate. You know, I just think we all need grace. I think grace is grace, meaning God's unmerited favor, meaning that uh, you don't have to work for God's love. So even if you did something horrible last night, I wouldn't say it's all good, but it's all good because God loves you and you can get right back up and get on the good track. Um, But that's our anchor verse for the series, Chosen. Here we go, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, and it reads this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. This is Paul. Paul is in prison. He started the church in Ephesus. He's in prison for his witness for Jesus Christ. Eventually, Paul gets beheaded for his witness for Jesus Um, So I I always kind of make a point to say this every weekend living for Jesus is tough and God never promised you that you were going to have, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was going to be easy. It was always going to be blissful. Sometimes it's tough in certain countries living for Jesus and believing in Christ will cost you your life. I thank God that we live in a country where we can practice religious freedom. I call it relational freedom because it's a relationship with a man. But I thank God we live in a country where we can worship God freely. And uh, because of that, I'm in church every Sunday. How about you? Show of hands every Sunday from hence until the day you die. You're in church every Sunday. All right. We didn't get a good return on that. But uh, I don't know, pastor. Take your time on it. Here we go. What verse was I in? Great. Paul is writing back to the uh, church of Ephesus. And he says here, do uh, as Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Verse 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander or wonder uh, far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and heartened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live, out for lustful, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw it off. Your old, that old nature, you got to throw that stuff off. We're going to talk about how your old nature has the ability or the power to sabotage your new nature in Christ. All right. And so we go ahead and say here in verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's your new nature to be Like God. Do you know the goal of Christianity is to become more like Jesus? That's the goal of your faith. God wants to conform you to the image of His Son until the day that you die. So, week by week, month by month, if you are a believer of Christ, you should be looking a little bit more like Jesus before you pass away. That's the goal of Christianity. You should serve like Jesus. You ought to give like Jesus. You ought to love like Jesus. You ought to sacrifice like Jesus. You ought to give your all for the glory of God, just like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. Even when it's tough, you ought to love like Jesus. And he says this, so stop telling lies. Verse 25, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Anger means to swell up and to oppose somebody fiercely, don't let anger control you. This is where the saying comes: "Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry." For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You want to give the, the devil access into your life? Be angry about your relationships. Be angry about the the job that God has blessed you with. Be angry about the church that God has planted you in. You want a foothold for the devil? Be angry. But if you want to Get the devil out of your life. Practice peace, what the Holy Spirit gives. I'm just kind of breaking this down as we go. You know, I'm going to pull out my four points here in a minute. And then he goes ahead and he says this in verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything, everything. Someone say, say everything. everything. Someone say Everything. In the Greek, everything means everything. (laughs) Everything that comes out of your mouth. Let it be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. We've we've gotten into this culture where it's grace, 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 grace. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And then on the other extreme, it's, it's God hates you. God hates you. Follow these rule books. Paul is just saying, hey, let's just cut it down the line, a healthy middle. It is your responsibility to live in such a way that does not grieve the spirit of God. Because you can grieve God's spirit simply by the way you talk, by the way you behave, Uh, you can grieve the spirit of God because God wants so much more for you. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So Jesus is going to come back. And you know what, what Paul is saying is you're going to heaven. So the world ought to see heaven's reality through your life. Don't grieve the spirit of God by living like hell. Like I said, I know we're small, but we're going to preach the truth. We're going to preach it because God wants to bless your life. And as long as you live like hell, you cannot expect the blessings of heaven to find you. You got to step it up. You got all this liberal stuff and all this. You're one. Oh, Jesus, I'm already jacking up. You're one person on Friday. You're a different person on Sunday. Come on. God wants to bless your life. All right. So here we go. It says here: Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well all types of evil behavior. You're chosen. You're chosen. I'm chosen. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Whew. That's a sermon within itself. Hey, how many of us like new stuff? New stuff, show of hands. Wow, new stuff. Um, I don't need you because my electronics are working. All right, new stuff, new places, new restaurants. Um, We all love new stuff. Um, uh, A lot of us like, uh, you know, new car. If I were to tell you, hey, I just bought a brand new car for you and it's outside, you love that. Um, but you wouldn't like the payment that comes with it. I thought you bought it for me. Yeah, I just got it. I put the deposit down. It's in my name, so it's really mine. Um, a lot of us love moving to new places, or traveling to new places for an extended period of time, but we don't like to pack and to say goodbye to our loved ones. And I remember when we moved from Orlando <clears throat> to Gaithersburg, boy, I... I did, I've never told you this, but I felt sort of guilty about serving God and being faithful to God's vision in my heart. Because when we were saying bye-bye to your mom, Jazeel was crying, Judah was crying, all my nieces and nephews were around, and my mom was crying, and I'm like, should we not do this? Should we just stay in Florida? It doesn't feel good. It's exciting, but it doesn't feel good. How about a pay raise, a new, a new pay rate? Or a new tax bracket is what I like to call it. Um, We like a new pay rate, but we don't like the new responsibility that comes with it. So we want to be top dog, but are you ready to lead 50 people in an organization? Are you ready for the heartache and the heartbreak that comes with leading people of multiple personalities? Or would you rather stay in the comfort of just being an employee, kind of where everyone else is? You want to pay raise, but you don't want the new responsibility. We like new. We like new. We like to be refreshed. We like a new house, but we don't always like to get in and move the furniture. We love new. How about if I was to tell you this this morning, that you could be made new, Christian or not, this morning, free of charge. That the toughest parts of your life could be renewed refreshed this morning. No task list, no work, free of charge, no money to be paid, no down payments, no deposits. You can be made new this morning. The toughest parts of your life, be it your confidence, can be renewed this morning. Your, I don't know, maybe some of you are going through a real low season. Maybe you're you're, you're wallowing in self-condemnation, you can be renewed this morning. Maybe you haven't been as successful as you want to be, but you can be refreshed in your mind and your thinking this morning. Maybe you would define your current season as a season of defeat and deficit, but you can be refreshed and renewed this morning. And so um. I believe that. I believe that. What if I told you that you could change for the better forever this morning? I think in your walk with Christ, in your walk with God, there, there are seasons where you have to put down an altar, a, a, a pillar, a, 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 a stone of sorts and say, it was this day, it was this morning where I made the transition from being defeated to victorious from, from struggling to triumphant. I, I think there, and I don't just say there are seasons. I would say every day, every morning, every afternoon, you have to declare over your life that this is when I go from being sh- a struggler to triumphant. This is when I go from being defeated to victorious. And I think that God wants to do that in your lives this morning. I want to bring a message to you entitled, Out with the Old, In with the New. If you're taking notes out with the old, in with the new. So I want to pull out four uh, truths. If you're taking uh, notes, I think today is going to be awesome. And I'm just going to jump in based upon what Paul wrote back to Ephesus while he was in prison. I'm going to pull out four truths here. Um, before we actually change and be refreshed, we have to recognize something. We need to take a step back. And we need to recognize, number one, that some people just don't want to change. Some people just don't want to change. Um, we want different results, but we don't want to change what's causing the results. Um, we want different fruit, but we don't want to uproot and, and, and reroute the things that we need to reroute. Ephesians four seventeen through 19 said this, With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, Gentiles were unbelievers. They didn't know God, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him, meaning that the gospel was coming into Ephesus. And if you read Acts 19, Paul preached for two years straight in the hall of Tyrannus, and there were certain people there that no matter what Paul preached, no matter how well he lived, no matter how many miracles he performed, they just were not going to change. It's not that they couldn't change. They chose to have a hardened heart towards the work that God was doing in their hearts. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me slow down a little bit because we we're looking at this verse and we're thinking about like sin, like, well, I'm not a, you know, I don't commit heinous sins. I'm not, You know, I'm not the one sleeping around. I'm not the one out here stealing things or robbing people or cursing people out at work. We think that stuff. But do you know that uh, in the Bible, uh, they say that there are 365 times, this is what they say, I got to research it, that God commands us to not be afraid. And that fear and doubt are, in a sense, synonymous to sin. Sin. And some of us still don't trust God. So you're living a great life, but you don't trust God. And God needs that to change, be it in your finances, be it in your relationships, be it at work. It's it's an intangible aspect that we don't see, and God needs that to change. And so let's not just think these black and white sins, and let's not say, well, I don't do this stuff you have something that God is calling you to change in. And and we've gotten caught up in this social media world where everyone wants to post a verse, a piece of encouragement. God is good. He has a plan for my life. La 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 la. And I'm like. Lord and I try not to bring my personal preferences into this but Lord if I see another I'm encouraged verse I'm empowered verse and then 10 minutes later I hear that you're defeated verse because you know I don't I don't know what to think about people anymore I don't know whether or not Uh, uh, what you're reading in your Bible, you're believing. I don't know if what we're preaching is actually registering. I don't know if in your prayer prayer life you're waiting and you're hearing God to hear what he has to say to you because it's every other day, God is good, then it's a struggle. God is good, then it's a struggle. God is good, then it's a struggle. When are we going to get some consistency in our trust? When when are we just going to learn to kind of go through the tough times? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Walk through the valley and fear no evil. You can do it all at the same time. All at the same time. Because God wants you to change in your level of trust. Stop posting verses and start believing what you're posting and you'll be okay. All right? I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm just... You know, been walking with Christ since I was 19. Some of the most heinous things that, that I could have ever imagined have happened to me and, and my family and my kids. And it's, it, it wasn't, Lord, I need a verse. No, it was, I've read the sucker for 10 years. I know what you say. I know what you stand for. I know who you are. And every time I've seen the deliverance of the Lord, and you can too, because there has to come a point where you trust God. And some of us just don't trust God with every area of our lives. When you start to trust him and obey him, that's when he manifests himself in a big way, in a big way. And it says this here, they wonder far God gives because they have closed their minds and heartened their hearts against him. And so he's saying, live no longer as Gentiles do. Believer, live no longer as non-believers do. Jesus said that non-believers worry about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. Therefore, they don't they don't have anything to give into the kingdom of God when, when hey, man, you want to you, you want to you wanna save some souls. You want to change a city. You, you you got something to deposit to invest into what God is doing in his local church. No, nah, man, I got to eat. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to the mall. I got clothes. I got to pick up. No, 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 no. Are you a believer or are you a non-believer? Because if you're a believer, you'd be worried about building the kingdom of God. Matthew 633. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. But non believers say, I don't have money to invest into what God is doing. And then we have believers that say, I don't have money to invest into the very thing that's changing my life and that's going to change others' lives. You're living like a non believer. So Paul just told the church of Ephesus, live no longer as non believers do because they've heartened their hearts. And there are certain areas in your faith where you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe Jesus. There's a difference. You can believe in him, but do you believe him? And he's calling you to change. None of this is in my notes. I had some cool analogies I wanted to share. Jesus, what am I doing? They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You know, my dad has this phone. He's 80 years old. I hope he never hears this podcast because I'm going to put him out here, slow it down a little bit, soften it up. Um, and and it's, it's a flip phone, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's touchpad, and it has no apps, no internet. It just has the screen. He has about 10 phone numbers saved in it. So if you try to call my dad, he's not picking it up because it has a green send button, and it has a red end button, and he loves this phone and he's not gonna give it up. You can throw it in water, if it still works, he's gonna get it. And uh, he's just not going to change, he loves his phone. And he has this one ring that annoys the heck out of me, but it's his ring, and he knows who's calling according to that ring. You have what's called the innovation adoption cycle in technology, and there are a few different categories. So uh, you have the innovators. Um, Someone has a new idea, a breakthrough idea, and technology. They don't necessarily create something, but they see the cell phone and they change it, sort of like Apple and Steve Jobs did a few years back here. They're about 2.5% of this innovation adoption cycle, the innovators. And then you have what are called the early adopters. So the innovators create the concepts, they create the products. The early adopters, they're the ones that follow the process all the way through until the product, the idea got out, they follow it and they order the product six months, three months before it even hits the market. So they get it a month in advance. Um, That's about 13.5% of the adoption cycle. Then you have the early majority, Uh, 34% of the early majority. They're the ones that go to the Apple store. They wait a day, two days to get the product and they get it. Then you have the late majority. Most of us in here, that's another 34%. We just wait till it comes out and we get it. Then you have what you call the laggards. The laggards are 16%. So you got early majority, late majority, 34% apiece. Then you have the laggards, which are 16%, the second highest um, um, group in this innovation adoption cycle. These people are the ones that are buying the iPhone 5 when the iPhone 10 is out. My my dad is in the laggard category. And I got to thinking about spiritual things when I was thinking about what Paul said here. He said, live no longer as unbelievers do. And what I've come to find out, being in church for a few years, is that we have some spiritual laggards. And and, and, and so smokers, for example, and these are just a few examples, you can tell a smoker, someone that's been smoking for years, hey man the statistics show that you are cutting your life 10 years short if you continue down this path. Or, or you can talk to people that are, that are single, and we all have our stories, but this is just fact. They say that any woman who has had two or more premarital partners, pre- I'm looking for kids, premarital partners have a higher rate of divorce than the average woman who doesn't. And you can encourage, you can inspire people all the time. Hey, God's way says, hey, he has a plan for you. He has a partner for you. Wait, you're worth it. Don't do it. Serve at the church. Be found by some man who is seeking the heart of God for your heart. And they either choose to do what they're going to do or they choose to stay faithful to God. Um, you know, you, five, seven years later, it takes time. But thank God I'm able to marry them at the altar because they waited and they have the man that they've been dreaming for. But you can tell people that. But some people just don't want to change. And so this is a key question you want to ask yourself this morning. <clears throat> I've been asking myself this lately. I'm 30 years old. Um, And so I I try to personally evaluate things. Uh, My thought processes, how I'm serving God and falling in love with his word and applying it to my life, how I'm serving my, my wife and being present with my kids, early mornings, late night, being present at the church, casting vision. I ask myself this a lot of times. You got to ask yourself this as well. Will the 33-year-old Joshua Redding be grateful for the changes that the Lord called the 30-year-old Joshua Redding to make? You got to start seeing it that way. If you're 27, if you're 25, if you're 35, if you want long-term blessing, long-term power, long-term impact, you got to start asking yourself, will the 28-year-old Bob or Jill or whatever your name is, thank the 23-year-old for the way that I served God, stayed faithful to his house, stayed faithful to his word. And I think I was telling Chris the other day, man, like 26 and 27, it's like hell on earth. And I'll be honest, I didn't think we were gonna make it through that season. But now the 30-year-old Joshua It's like, thank you, because it wasn't easy. But who I was becoming in that process, who I was becoming in the struggle, was what God was working on the inside of me that's led me to this day. So if you don't want to change, ask yourself this, will the 33, 35-year-old want to Yourself want to punch you in the face or will he want to hug you? All right. Is that good? Some people don't want to change. Don't be that person. God is tugging you. As I'm preaching this morning, there's a certain area in your life, in your heart. It could be unforgiveness. It can be bitterness. It can be rage. It can be you're not grateful for the things you have. You you don't find the joy in the current season you're in. You've just lost something. God is telling you to uproot it. To remove the old nature. Because the fruit that you're going to bear in the future is not worth it. You got to change. Let me get theological now, okay? It's called daily repentance. So I can give you Hebrew or Greek, okay? Hebrew is shove. It means to turn. The Greek is metanoa. It means to have a change of heart or a change of mind. So, some people don't want to change, but part of the Christian experience is daily, weekly, monthly, yearly change. And until you change, you can expect the same. Okay? Point number two there are seasons in your walk with God where you have to clean out the closet. Clean out the closet. Ephesians four twenty through 22 says this, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old nature in your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Let's not just think sexual lust here. Lust is an improper and pure desire for things that God does not want you to have. That's lust. OK, so he says, throw it off. This word throw off or put on is synonymous in the, in the English to clothing. So he's saying throw off, throw off. You know, growing up, we had clean out the closet Sundays. At least that's what we called them in our home. Clean out the closet Sundays. We have these three times a year because there are three seasons in Florida. Summer, summer and summer. You may get a day or two of winter. Um, that was always amazing. Man, the summers up here are um, oh, so amazing, dude. I love summers up here. Don't ever move to Florida. You're doing yourself an injustice. So yeah, we got about three different seasons, summer, summer, and summer. No, but really, we had clean out the closet Sundays four times a year. There was a philosophy in our house, if you haven't worn it in a year, you don't need it and you can give it to someone else who does need it. So my mom and my grandma, from about the age of 4 till 12, we would, after church, 7.30 service. After church, that was ridiculous. I had to wake up at 5. We'll never have a 7.30 service. We'll always have 10. 10.30. No, we'll always have 10, and, and we're going to go multiple services one day and all that stuff. So, But anyway, um, yeah, it was, we had to do the, the clean-out Sundays because, number one, the, the clothes no longer fit it. They were out of style, and they lacked the original integrity. So they faded. They shrunk. There was just no need to have these clothes anymore because they just wasn't a necessity. And I think the same thing in our walks with Christ. There's no need to wear certain things that you've been wearing, especially once you've become a believer in Jesus. There are seasons where you have to clean out the closet. A freed prisoner cannot remain in prison clothes if he or she expects to assimilate into society. I'm, I'm, you're a freed prisoner. And, and a lot of times, we, we go back to the closet, these clothes, and we put our prison clothes back on wow. instead of, Paul, Paul just said, put off. We're potty training Judah right now, and he has to get out of the diapers. He cannot remain in diapers if we're going to potty train him. You can't remain in unforgiveness. You can't remain in your unhealthy spending habits. You, you can't remain in bitterness. You can't remain in fear. You have to put off these clothes, and it's simply time to, to clean out the closet. Like, this was interest meeting last year. Maybe I can give it to somebody else who's a little bigger than me, because this sucker hangs real low, lower than the one I got on. I got to clean. You got to. Gotcha. Yeah, all right. Let me put that on the side then. That's Bobby. You gotta clean out the the attitude. You gotta clean out the lack of a prayer life. You, you gotta you gotta clean it out. You you gotta clean out your sucky communication. Ways You need to start communicating to your spouse and your team better and, and your family. You, you, need to, you need to cut out the attitude and, and, and the lack of faith and the fear. It's just, oh, you need to cut out the lust. I wear this almost Christmas last year and it's, you know, I still wear it around the house. But you need to cut it out because it's, it's just, oh, clean it out. Clean it out. You ought to write a list right now of the things that you need to clean out of your life. You, you, matter of fact, some of these clothes represent people. You need to get that joker's shirt out of your closet. You need to get her stuff out of your, come on now. You got to clean it out. Clean it out. Put off the old. I'm not saying nothing that Paul didn't just say. So I'm sorry. I'm just a messenger. I'm just animating it. But there are seasons where as a believer, you got to clean it out. Because he says it's corrupted. It's corrupted. The point number three, you have to understand that you've been given a new wardrobe. You've been given a new wardrobe. I'm trying to rock no old stuff when I got some fresh stuff. Verse twenty three says this instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. This phrase in the Greek here is translated as clothe, or more specifically, wrap yourself in a new nature. I like this dynamic because Paul is saying, Yes, you're saved, your soul is saved, but it takes effort from you to clothe yourself in Christ on a daily basis. It takes effort from me and from us and from you. So stop telling lies. No, he said, put on new nature, created be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. In essence, he's making these contrasting statements. If you are unlike what the word of God says, you should be in this area of your life, be the exact opposite. Because Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 tells us this, if we would obey God, all of these blessings would come into our lives. So Paul, in essence, is teaching them how to be blessed. So stop stilling and start working hard. And he goes on to say this here. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You've been given a new wardrobe. I loved clean out Sundays, especially when I became a freshman in high school. They had trained me for eight years to clean out my closet, to clean out my dresser drawers. And I, I was looking forward to clean out Sundays because my cousin was old enough now. He had, he had his own car. He was back home from the Army a lot. And my mom and my dad, they would hand me a few hundred dollars to go to the mall and to shop. And we would go to the mall, Florida Mall. Y'all don't know nothing but no Florida Mall, Orlando, Florida. It ain't no better than the malls around here. I'm just kind of bragging about it. Um, we go to the mall. And the only thing I had to do was go and get the clothes that they gave me the money for, bring them home, and put them on. That's it. Like, my mom and my dad paid for it. You've been given a new wardrobe that you didn't pay for. Do you know that you don't have to pay for a new nature? You don't have to work yourself out of sin. You don't have to work yourself out of fear. You don't have to work yourself out of self-condemnation. You don't have to work for a vision. You can ask God for a vision for your life, and he has already purchased it by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's all yours. You got to work the vision, but you don't have to work for the purchase or to receive that vision. God has put vision on your heart. He's purchased it. It says here in Colossians 1, 12 through 14, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. The word light means illuminated. So you see as God sees. So he shared in the inheritance. Verse 13: For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Let's do an honest assessment. How many of you throughout this week, at a certain point, you did not feel free in a certain area of your life? You felt like you were bound to a limitation. I'll be the first one to raise. You felt like you were bound to something, lack, a a habit, something. You felt bound now, let me tell you something. The truth is, is that you are free. And I love Paul's language once again, because he says you have to put on. Meaning this, whenever you are discouraged to the point where you've gotten to the place where you believe that you are bound, bound to shame, you, you did something morally wrong. You sinned against God. Whatever, whatever area that is, what you have to do in that moment when you are down is you have to put on, you have to put on, you have to think through, you have to believe in the freedom that Jesus has already purchased for you. You are not bound in that area. You are free. You are free. You are are free. Jesus didn't die for you to stay bound. He didn't die for you to stay clothed in that old cloth. You don't, you know, there's a certain day when you didn't have Jesus and you lacked hope. There's a certain day when you didn't know whether or not your relationship with God was good to go. It is good to go. You are free. Jesus has purchased your freedom. He's purchased new life. He's purchased a new nature, and you no longer have to be who you used to be. The only thing you have to do is put it on. In college, I started to put on purity, and it felt way better than being with the number of women in in college that I was with. When I put on purity, I felt lighter, I was freer, I saw God. I started to wake up early and get into his word. My grades got better. My finances got better. I put on purity. You don't have to put on or keep on the stuff that the enemy wants you to keep on. You don't have to. Jesus has purchased your freedom. And so Paul says, he says, put on. Don't worry about the guns. Sun's out, gun's out. Just, I don't want to do that because I'm going to get an email. You're a prideful. Anyway. Prideful. Okay. So are you emailing me. Um, you got to put it on. Take off that old nature. Take it off. You got to. That's how it sounds to put it on. Should have got some help up here. You gotta, you gotta put it on. Um, you gotta start getting dressed in honesty. Some of us have become professional liars, and we gotta, we gotta get dressed in honesty. We, we have to get dressed in excellence. Yeah. We, we want God to promote us. We want God's favor on our lives. But you got to get dressed in excellence on that job. Don't slack. It's time to put on generosity. Far too many of us live tight-fisted. And Proverbs says this, that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. God is calling you to start putting in more time in someone's life, be it in your neighborhood, at your job, in this church. Be more generous with your time. I'm talking to myself now. Be more generous with your money and your gifts. We're going to do a series leading up into, into Christmas called The Genius of Generous and how your generosity, God takes what you have and he uses to change the world, but he doesn't leave you without a blessing. The Genius of Generous. You got to put on faith. I think y'all been, myself included, we've been working so hard for certain things and heaven's timeline is three years. We expect it in a year. But we've preached here before that you got to get off the timeline of presumption and get on the guideline of persuasion. One of the ways you define faith in the Greek is persuasion. Are you persuaded that God still wants to bless you Expand your business, take you to newer levels in your education, bless your family. Are you still convinced that you can do the impossible in your industry? You're going to need to put on faith and not take it off. Put on being an encourager. Be an encourager. People will follow you to the ends of the world if you're the person that they go to for encouragement. Because in this world, oh, Jesus, survival of the fittest, but humble yourself. Be that person that people can find encouragement from. Put it on. These are all the things that Paul is saying, and you have to because you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. Are you going somewhere? Are you going somewhere? (laughs) You should go to H.O. Kids. Last point. Oh, I know everyone cutthroat this morning. I don't care who you are. It can be Judah. Change Judah. Repent. Go to bed when we tell you. All right. Last point. Last point here. Stay fresh and live well. Stay fresh and live well. So you got a new wardrobe, put it on, stay fresh and live well. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that that old nature will sabotage your new life that Jesus has purchased for you. It will suffocate everything that God has for you. Anyone ever just show of hands, I just want to take a quick survey, and then I'm closing us out here in four minutes. Anyone ever bought a new pair of shoes, wore them, and that first day you wore them, you scuffed them? Oh, yeah. Don't you hate it? What about that shirt or that dress you've been waiting to wear, and it was finally the occasion, and on the way to where you were going, you stained it? Show of hands. Oh, yeah, it just it messes up your entire day. And I never knew this, so I did some research in order to remove scuffs and stains. Show of hands. Did you know you could use toothpaste? Toothpaste. Um, What about dish detergent? White vinegar. Man, I've never done anything in my life with my hands. What about nail polish remover? I'm an OxyClean stick type of guy. (laughs) And I just think that as we go and we move forward in Christ in this new nature, as we attempt to stay fresh and live well, I think ever so often we need to pull out the OxyClean stick. Because Paul, in essence, he's saying bitterness rage, anger, leaves a stain and a scuff on your soul. And you, you have a stick. That stick is the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and if you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in your heart and you can tap into him any second of the day. You can tap into peace. You can tap into kindness, gentleness, And it's just like an OxyClean stick. You pull that sucker out and you just... Holy Spirit, clean it up. Clean up this rage and this this lack in my soul. Remove this stain of bitterness. Remove this stain of hopelessness. Remove it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I want to encourage you to just as often as you get dressed in the morning, I know that's every morning, put on Christ every morning. You have a new life. Put on Christ every morning, every afternoon, every night, every week, put on Christ. And the way you put on Christ is, if you've never read through a complete book of the Bible, start in your Gospels, learn the man of Jesus. Believe what he said, believe in what he did, believe he can do it in your life, apply it to your life and watch God move in your life. Put on Christ in prayer. I was in some deep prayer last night in my office, putting on Christ. Bless the families. Bless the people. Speak through me. Use me as a father, as a leader. You got to put on Christ. And, man, when you get into those moments of intimate prayer, it sets the trajectory of your day. Put them on because you're going to new places. New heights, new levels, new blessings. Even when it's tough, put on Christ. Joseph had a vision from God. 14 years in prison, he put on Christ every day while he was in prison. And he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. And he saved the nation of Israel. He put on Christ even in prison. that a preach. You got to put on Christ when it's tough. Out with the old, in with the new. Let's pray, church. Out with the old, in with the new. Father, I give you honor and praise, and I thank you for every soul here this morning. God, I pray that you would give us the power to put off the old nature as we press forward in you. Help us to put on your power. Help us to put on your love. Help us, Jesus, to put on your perspective. Lord, we need heaven's perspective in our lives. Holy Spirit, cleanse us of all bitterness, anger, and slander, and fill us with expectation and faith and a heart of obedience. And that as we trust you, Lord, as we put you on, You're going to take us from glory to glory. Amen.